Hello, this is Shanice Harrigan, and welcome to TanakhStudy.com. I'm very excited to begin Sefer Vayukra with you. As uh, we begin a new Sefer, we recognize that in order to properly appreciate the Sefer, we have to see it within its context. As most of the Parshanim from Sparad point out, every Sefer stands alone, and therefore we want to appreciate the contents of the Sefer based on its exposition to the previous Farim, but at the same time, the unique theme that every Sefer provides. So we open Sefer Vayikra, Vayikra Moshe, Vayidaber Hashem Elav, Mi'ol Mo'ed Lemor. Daber al Bnei Yisrael v'amarta lehem, Madam ki akriv mikem korban ladunai min ha-beima, min ha-bakar, min ha-ton, takrivu et korbonchem. Moshe tells Bnei Yisrael, or Hashem, first commands Moshe to tell Bnei Yisrael with regard to all the different karbanot. And now we're wondering, what is the juxtaposition between these commandments and the previous Sefer, Sefer Shemot, which ended with the Kavod of Hashem atop of Ohel Mo'ed. If we turn back for a moment to Sefer Shemot, we recognize some other difficulties that the Sefer provides. This is the first Sefer where we find that there isn't necessarily a chronological continuation of the book as we found juxtaposed from Bereshit to Shemot, the formation of a nation, followed by the actual story of Galut and Geula of Am Yisrael. The end of Sefer Shmot seems to continue in a rather technical manner in Sefer Vayikra. So in order to appreciate this, we're going to go back to the last chronological reference in Sefer Shmot, namely to Shmot Peregmem, Pasuk Aleph, Vayidaber Adonai Moshe Lemor, Biyom HaChodesh HaRishon Be'achad LaChodesh, Takim Et Mishkan Ohel Moed. It is the beginning of the second year since Yetiaf Mitzrayim, Rosh Chodesh Nisan. This is the completion of the Mishkan, and at the same time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu commands Moshe to begin the inauguration with the actual construction of the Mishkan. And for the next few moments, we're going to appreciate the structure of the commands that Hashem offers Moshe Rabbeinu and implores him the following. So far, we've seen that Moshe is commanded to place the Aaron together with the Parochet. He's commanded to place the Shulchan and set up the the Lechem HaPanim to place the Menorah and to begin to light its candles, to place the Mizbeach HaZahav that is going to be used for the Ketoret, to place the Masach upon the Kodesh of the Mishkan, and then to also set up the Mizbeach HaOla, followed by the other kelim, the other utensils of the chatzer, including the following, v'natata et ha-kiyor ben ol mo'ed ovein ha-mezbech, v'natata shamayim, set up the wash basin together with the water, v'samta ta-chatzer saviv, v'natata masach shar ha-chatzer, and thereby establish the chatzer, followed by a general activation of the mishkan that continues in the next pasuk, v'lakachta t'shemen ha-mishcha u'mashachta t'hamishkan v'kol asherbo v'kidashta oto v'kol kelav v'haya kodesh. Literally, activate the Mishkan with the Shemen HaMishcha, serving to a certain degree as the batteries for the Mishkan. Moshe then has to take this oil, oil of anointment, and thereby anoint everything that he has just set up, including the Mizbech HaOla, continuing with the Kior, and then we look at Pasuk Yudbet. The next set of, of instructions, The next order is to take Aaron and his children, wash them as well, 
פסוק י"ג, דלבשת את אהרון בגדי הקודש ומשכת אותו וקידשת אותו וכיהן לי. And also dress Aaron, not only Aaron in his big day kuhuna, not only to anoint him with oil, which will thereby sanctify him as a kohen, but his banim, his sons as well. Vet banav takrivil, bashta otam kutanot. Omashachta otam, kasher mashachta et avihem, vechiyanu li, vaita liyot lahem meshachatam lchunat olam ledorotam, vayas moshe kachol asher tziva adonayoto kenasa. We find that Moshe follows each one of these instructions of Hashem. And just to, to clarify this idea even more, the psukim continue. It is the same day, And we're going to follow Moshe's following of the instructions step by step. Moshe establishes the mishkan. He places the adanim, the krashim, the beams, and the bolts. And he sets up all of the yiriot, the curtains of the mishkan. He places the edut, el ha'aron, the luchot inside the aron kodesh, together with the badim, the poles that will forever be attached to the aron. He places the kaporet, the solid gold plates, apana, the aron as well together with the Kruvim. He then sets up, as Hashem had instructed, the Shulchan, places the Lechem HaPanim upon this table, the Menorah, lights the candles of the Menorah, the Mizbeach HaZahav in front of the Parochet, together with the Ketoret that's going to be placed there as well, followed by Pasuch Avchet, the Masach of the Petach HaMishkan, the curtain that is going to divide the area of the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodeshim from the exterior Chatzer. And he places the wash basin in the chatzer right next to the Mizbeach HaOla. And we're waiting for the last stage. He places the chatzer together with the masach of the Shar HaChatzer. And Moshe has thereby completed the Malacha. And yet we're a little surprised because there was one instruction where we can't necessarily place a check right by the fulfillment of Moshe. Because although Moshe placed the curtains, and although he placed the menorah, and he placed the shulchan and the mizbeach, the last step of, that we read in Pasuk Yud Gimel, is entirely lacking. Moshe did not fulfill one instruction of Hashem. There is something that's strangely left out. And this is where we find that we must consider this in the backs of our minds as we open up Sefer Vayikra. Not to worry, we're in fact going to see a continuation of Moshe inaugurating the Mishkan, establishing the Mishkan, and yet we're going to have to wait seven chapters. The beginning of Vayikra, Perikheta, tells us that Moshe is told by God on the same date, And this time, as Moshe is told, take the clothing again, take the Shemen HaMeshcha, almost a blatant description of what was omitted at the end of Sefer Shemot. This time Moshe does exactly as Hashem has commanded him. Pasuk Dalid, Vayas Moshe Kasher Tziva Hashemoto, Vatikahel Haida El Petachol Moed, and now Moshe is going to bring Aharon and his children. Now he will wash them. Now he will dress them, as we find mentioned explicitly in Perekhet Pasuk Zayin, Vayitena lav eto kutonet, Vayachgoroto bavnet, Vayalbeshoto etameil, Vayitena lav etaifod, Vayachgoroto bachesha vayifod, Vayapod lobo. Now Aharon will be dressed by Moshe, followed by all of his children being dressed in kind. Now we understand 
why this instruction or completion of the instruction was omitted at the ends of Sefer Shemot. Sefer Shemot ends actually with the last five psukim that tell us what the goal of the construction of the Mishkan was all about. We return to Shmot Perakmem Pasukla Medalid as we hear how the cloud of glory was above, above the Oal Moed and that the glory of God filled the Mishkan. So much so that Moshe cannot even enter the Mishkan because the Anan. The cloud of glory of Hashem is there. We also hear of this Anan having another function, namely that that will foretell B'nai Yisrael when it's time to travel. And if the Anan does not move, then they know that it's not yet time to travel. Because this Anan will forever remain a atop the Mishkan during the day, and at night there is Ish in front of fire before the eyes of Am Yisrael as they travel. Now we understand that Shemot introduces one function of the Mishkan, the function of the Mishkan that ultimately is going to be manifest through the glory of God. The Sefer Shemot teaches then about Moshe inaug- inaugurating the Mishkan for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sefer Vayikra is going to introduce another function of the Mishkan, the function of the Mishkan that is going to be more dynamic, the function of the Mishkan that is going to be visited by others, the function of the Mishkan that is not merely there for the glory of Hashem, but is also there to enable literally an Ohel Moed, a meeting place between Hashem and the people. And therefore, although HaKadosh Baruch Hu had told Moshe to inaugurate and to establish each one of the Kelim of the Mishkan, the description of Moshe's fulfillment of involving the Kohanim is going to wait for an elaboration in Sefer Vayikra, wherein we're going to see the mortal involvement, where we're going to see the dynamic structure of the Mishkan involving the people. Namely, the Kelim at the end of Sefer Shemot are static ones. The Kohanim, who are going to be described somewhat as utensils themselves in the Mishkan, that we're going to await to hear in Sefer Vayikra. Now, as we turn to the end of Sefer Shemot, not only do we understand why the description of the Kohanim is not mentioned, but why Chazal nicknamed Sefer Vayikra Torat Kohanim. Not only the teachings of the Kohanim, but the actual instructions of the Kohanim who are going to serve to depict the interplay between the people and God through the Mishkan. And therefore, again, the end of Sefer Shemot tells us as follows. The function of the Mishkan is for people to realize the resting place of Hashem, reminding us of the original imperative back in Perachafei to build the Mishkan. Vasuli mikdash v'shachanti betuchem. The goal is to have a resting place for God that will always be expressed within the encampment of Am Yisrael. And therefore, the last few psukim at the end of Sefer Shmo tell us mission fulfilled. Shachan alav hanan uchvod Hashem maleyat Mishkan. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is in fact there. And this is what will be elaborated upon in Sefer Vayikra. The last three psukim at the end of Sefer Shemot, however, introduce another aspect of the Mishkan. Not only will the Mishkan be a place for the resting of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not only will this be a physical manifestation of the presence of the Shekhinah, but ultimately it is going to foretell what Sefer Vayikra is about, and that is how we are going to relate as a people 
to Hashem's presence within Am Yisrael. But not to worry, the Torah tells us there's going to be a dynamic function of the Mishkan as well. And that is going to be manifest through the Anan that is within the Mishkan that will also tell Am Yisrael when it's time to travel. The Anan that generally takes up the space within the Mishkan as it rises above the Mishkan that serves as a harbinger for Am Yisrael to know time to travel. The travels, that we're not going to hear about in Sefer Vayikra. For that, we're going to wait for Sefer Bamidbar. And thereby, as we introduce Sefer Vayikra, we find that for the first time, we not only have an elaboration of the description at the end of Sefer Shemot, but in addition to not necessarily a chronologically following Sefer, we actually have two Sparim that are going to be introduced to us simultaneously. Sefer Vayikra, that is going to be chronologically concurrent with Sefer Bamidbar. And yet, why is Sefer Vayikra first? First, we need to hear about the presence of God in the Mishkan, the interplay between the people and this presence of God. And then we're going to hear about the dynamic aspect and the influences of what it means to have a Shekhinah, a literal expression of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the midst of Am Yisrael, and what this mandates, not only within how they interact with the Mishkan, but how this is going to affect the theme of Sefer Bamidbar, namely the Machaneh. For that, however, we're going to have to wait for Sefer Bamidbar. Now we're going to begin Sefer Vayikra and appreciate these mandates of Hashem. As an introduction, though, I uh, would just like to share my personal enthusiasm in uh, the schut of learning Sefer Vayikra with you, a Sefer that, in short, is not summarized by what many mistakenly think are korbanot, albeit the first seven prakim of Sefer Vayikra, dealing with the laws of sacrifices, we're going to see numerous themes that extend beyond not only sacrificial worship, but beyond the Mishkan itself, and thereby easily divided a Sefer that begins for the first 17 chapters, teaching us the mandates of God within the Mishkan, and then the subsequent prakim till the end of the Sefer, where we're going to find the mandates of living a life of godliness beyond the Mishkan. Short anecdote, as uh, my niece was the first in the family in Shittat Barkai to finish Chamishachum Shei Torah, I asked her at the end of fourth grade when she finished Sefer Devarim, Avigail, what was your favorite Sefer? And as she mentioned, I guess knowing my heart, she said Sefer Bayukra, and I asked her what was so special about the Sefer? And she told me it was a little hard to explain, but she felt very close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu upon the completion of the Sefer. And this, in fact, is going to be our goal together in learning the Sefer. Sefer Vayikra is not a Sefer of Korbanot, it's a Sefer of Kedusha. Which brings us then to trying to understand this amorphous concept of Kedusha. If we look back in Sefer Bereshit, we find the first time that this term Kedusha is employed, namely in the context of Shabbat, God has sanctified time. God sanctified Shabbat. All we know then about this verb of Kedusha is that God is the source of this holiness, of this sanctity, still an amorphous term. If one looks this up in the Oxford Collegiate Dictionary, you'll find under holiness, see sanctity. Look up sanctity, Anna, you'll find, see holiness. So we have to continue to explore within this God-given Sefer. Anna, we turn to the beginning of Sefer Shemot. Not only is God the origin of Kedushat Hazman, but God tells Moshe, 
שאל נלכה מעל רגלך, כי המקום אשר אתה עומד עליו, אדמת קודשו. By the sne, God defines the makom, the place itself, as kodesh. I don't even know if Moshe Rabbeinu understands what it means that this place is kodesh. I'm sure he's going to remove his sandals nonetheless. But we're still left with Hashem being the source for kedusha, to which the people are going to have to respond. The next time we find Kedusha in its verb form in Shemot Perikud Gimel, Kadesh Li Kobachor, and then six chapters later, Vatemt Yuli Mamlechet Koanim Begoy Kadosh teaches us once again that HaKadosh Baruchu is the source for Kedushat HaAdam. God sanctifies time, God sanctifies place, and God sanctifies man. Am Yisrael are just as confused as we are right now, as they don't necessarily understand what this means. Not to worry, immediately after the intense sound and light show of Ma'amad Harsinai, Vasuli Mikdash Vishachanti Betocham. HaKadosh Baruch Hu assures us through a Mikdash, literally a Makom of Kedusha, a place that is going to contain sanctity, generally translated as a sanctuary or the tabernacle, this is going to be the three-dimensional structure through which we're going to learn what this amorphous concept of Kedusha is all about. So with this introduction, and now knowing that the end of Sefer Shmod teaches us that the Mishkan fulfills the function of a place for Shekhinat Hashem, we're now expecting that Vayikra should begin with the natural continuation, the anticipation that was already left waiting from the end of Sefer Shmot involved the Kohanim. Moshe has still not dressed the Kohanim. Where are the dynamic personae that are going to be involved in the Mishkan? And yet, as mentioned, we're going to have to wait till Perikhet. Why, though, begin in Perikhet and not in Perik Aleph? The answer is uh, already in the first few psukim of the introduction to Vayikra. If we would begin in Perikhet, then one would think that just as in pagan cultures and sanctuaries, it is only the priests that are involved. It's the priests that come to the Mishkan, and they're the ones who are going to be in charge of the worshiping of God. The Torah tells us, no, you're about to hear about Kedusha, what it means to relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a dynamic way. It's true that the Kohanim are going to be the ones primarily involved, but how does our Sefer begin? Daber al b'nei Yisrael v'amarta lehem, Adam ki akriv meken karban lahashem. It begins with the everyman. Each person has the ability, the imploration, the expectation of coming to the mikdash, of being able on his own to approach God. And only seven chapters later, we're going to hear that those that are involved and those that are going to be inaugurated and become almost part and parcel of the Mishkan in a dynamic fashion, that's when the Kohanim are going to be involved. So with this, we now continue with the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, trying to appreciate the structure of the first seven chapters. If one looks then, together with me, at the continuation of Parak Aleph, we're going to begin with the description of how man approaches God through the sacrifice of the Ola. The Ola that we're going to hear can be offered from Bakar, from cattle, from Tzon, from flock, or from Of, from fowl. We're then going to hear about the Karban Mincha, the flower offerings that may be offered through Solet, through a baked Karban, known as the Mafet Tanur, through a Minchat Machvat, a fried mincha, a fried flour offering, a minchat marcheshet, a deep pot or a deep frying, 
and a menchat bikurim, the grains that are brought from the agriculture as well. And immediately after that, the beginning of chapter 3, Perikimel, the imzevach shlamim karbano. After the mincha, we hear about the karban shlamim that may be offered also from the bakar or from the tzon, the cattle or the flock, or from the A's, from the goats, followed by the karban chatat, of which we're going to elaborate upon in the near few shirim, and immediately after the chatat, the asham. And as one looks at this order, this order makes a tremendous amount of sense. The first three korbanot, the ola, the mincha, and the shlamim, are all presented as optional korbanot. And not only optional, but perhaps even ideal. As we come to relate HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we begin in a voluntary fashion. Adam kiakrivmikim. If man wants to literally get close to God, then you come to the mishkan, you come either with an ola or a mincha or a shlamim. However, there are times wherein one is going to be obligated to come and relate to God, namely when one sins and thereby creates a rift between himself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, at which point he then brings either a chatat and under different circumstances an asham, a guilt offering. So this is what we would expect to be, the basic introduction to the various karbanot. And yet, as we also take a look then at the continuation in Parshat Sav, we find a very different presentation of the Karbanot that begin with God commanding Aaron and his children. Tzavet Aaron vetbanav lemor, we find at the beginning of chapter 6. This time, Zotorat Ola, we're going to hear about the Ola, followed by seven psukim later, Zotorat HaMencha, and after the flower offering that we had consistent with the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, we then hear of Perek Vav, Pasuk Yudzayin, Daber at Laharon, Zotorat, not the Shlamim, but the Chatat. And only the beginning of Perek Zayin tells us about the Asham, followed by Perek Zayin, Pasuk Yud Aleph, Zotorat Zevach Shlamim. So as opposed to the order in Parshat Vayikra of Ola, Mincha, Shlamim, Chatat Hashem, the Karbanot and Parshat Sav are going to be told in an altogether different order. Ola, Mincha, Chatat Hashem, Shlamim. And the question is obviously why. And the answer is going to serve to help us understand what Sefer Vayikra, and particularly the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, is all about. We begin with man. We begin with the commandments of man, the opportunities that man has as he approaches the Mishkan, bringing his karbanot, ideally as a nidava, as a voluntary offering, followed by a chuva, the obligatory times. Tzav, however, begins with the commandments, particularly to the kohanim. The kohanim that we already mentioned are going to be, on one hand, the subject of Sefer Vayikra, and at the same time, the teachers to explain to B'nai Yisrael what it means to engage in the Mishkan in a dynamic fashion. And therefore, the Kohanim, who are always present, there's no such thing as a distinction between Karbanot of Nidava, of voluntary offerings, versus Karbanot of Chova, of the obligatory offerings. For them, everything is a Chova. And therefore, the distinction, as the Karbanot are addressed to them, are going to focus much more on how they engage with the Karbanot, namely the distinction between 
Anola, Mincha, Chatat Asham, all of which are called Kodshe Kodoshim, and have their particular laws that we're going to learn about in each of the sections, in each of the parshiot of Parshat Zav, followed by the Karban Shlamim, one that is going to be shared together with the Baal HaKorban, together with Am Yisrael, and therefore is Kodshe Kalim, has a lower level of sanctity with regard to how and when the Kohen must eat the Korban. This in itself teaches us how we're supposed to relate to the Mishkan. The Kohanim are always there. All the Karbanot are going to be obligatory, and yet at the same time, they have different levels of how they're going to respond to the Karbanot that Am Yisrael bring. And this is what brings us back to the beginning of Sefer Vayikra, of Adam Kiyakrivmikim. First, however, we hear of Am Yisrael, each man, each woman who brings a particular korban is going to be implored upon by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to begin with that aspect of an ola, to begin with the voluntary aspect, and then we're going to learn about the obligatory korbanot as well. From here, where we already get a sense of what the Mishkan is all about, a place wherein we engage with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, a place where we're supposed to understand through the physical structure what the amorphous term of Kedusha is all about, introducing us to Kirva La Kadosh Baruch Hu, to what it means to get close to God. And as such, I await our next year where we're actually going to begin Parashat Bayikra, learning about the details of the Ola and how sometimes the details, in fact, teach us not only the technical aspects of how to relate to Hashem, but what ideas we have in mind, even as we take the ideas beyond the Mishkan, beyond the Karbanot, to help us appreciate what an Avodah Tahakadosh Baruch Hu Mitoch Nidava from a voluntary aspect is all about.